Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Right, do I won? Yeah. Does Michael think he won? Yeah. I mean, we put up an epic battle. The fact that they're talking about it 30-some years later, it lets you know it's the greatest dunk contest ever. And I think the biggest compliment I've ever gotten, I remember Larry Bird said it in the game, we both deserve to win. But unfortunately, one of us got to go home. Julius, the grandfather of, of us all, everything we do flows out of Julius serving. Well, you guys know how we often do here with all things covered. You know, sometimes we have our normal episodes where we highlight, you know, names that have been on your TV monitors over the last few days, over the last few weeks. But we also tend to offer flowers to living legends. And this is a flower episode once again. I I have the privilege of being able to interview a guy that I grew up watching, a guy I wish I could jump like, a guy I wish I could dunk like. Unfortunately, God didn't bless me with those said abilities, so I had to play football. But this is an individual who was a nine-time All-Star, appeared on seven All-NBA teams, two-time dunk contest champion. His number 21 is retired by the Atlanta Hawks. He also has a statue in front of the building. Listen, it's one thing to get your jersey retired, but when you have a statue in front of the building, you're a big deal. Hall of Famer, one of the best nicknames ever in sports. The human highlight film himself. Mr. Dominique Wilkins is joining us here. Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden, all things covered. How you doing, Dominique? Good. How you doing, man? Man, it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be alive. I know you're a busy man, but thank you for joining us here. Uh, but before we, we we jump into your unbelievable career, let's talk about the recent events in the NBA. If you guys have been living under a rock, the Milwaukee Bucks took care of their business, beating the Phoenix Suns in six games to be able to win that NBA championship. The Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, was an unbelievable player, not just in the regular season, but of course in the playoffs. And in 1996, you actually won a few titles, Dominique playing in Greece. Uh, That was just two years after Giannis was born. At what point in time, or did you ever imagine seeing what some people view as the best player in the NBA, you know, coming from Greece? Oh man, he is a, he is a special, special talent. And I, I tell you, he's, he's done some things, the guys that his size only very few, have, have ever done. He's got an unbelievable ability to get anywhere he wants on the floor. And he has the toughness to go with it that makes him a very hard guy to deal with. But I was really happy for him 
because he's worked so hard. Him and Middleton has played eight years together to see him win the championship was it was special for, for them in the city of Milwaukee. But man, what a talent. They call him the Greek freak for a reason. He's a real deal. So do you believe he's the best player in the world right now? Um, hey, until you dethrone him as champion, yes, he is. So what, when you look at the best player in the world, of course, LeBron James will always be in that conversation, right? Based on how well he's been playing in, in years past. Uh, when you look at, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you got some unbelievable stars. But what separate, Kevin Durant, uh, we saw what he was able to do. You know, Steph Curry had a nice run this past season as well. But when you look at some of the elites of the elite in the NBA, what separates Giannis from the rest of the pack in, in, in regards of him being the best player in the world right now? Well, he's won a championship. I think mm. it's, it's plain and simple. You know, and I'm one of those guys who don't believe in comparisons and all those different things because, you know, you have different areas, different players. But you talk about today's league as far as how great some of these players, a lot of great players, a lot of great players. But when you win a championship, you're anointed as, as greatness. So, you know, he came, you know, into the series with the mindset that he had to win this year, and he did it. Yeah. And speaking of Giannis, you got a chance to see him up close and personal, right? In the Eastern Conference uh, mm -hmm. Conference Finals against your yeah. uh, said Atlanta Hawks. When Giannis went down in game four with that hyperextended knee, uh, did you think there was a chance he would return in that series against Atlanta and not only returning, but being able to dominate like he did? Uh, no one thought he was would return. Yeah. So him to return and not just return, but be effective. The way he was, I mean, and look, Giannis is a problem for everybody. No question. Everybody. Here's a guy, 6'11", 7 foot, has athletic ability off the charts and the ball handling skill and game to go with it. So, you know, he's a difficult, difficult guy to guard. You got to guard him by committee. Yeah. And the Bucks just captured their first title in 50 years. Uh, the Hawks were, were very, very close as well. You know, being able to uh, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's been a long, long time, you know, when you look at the Hawks being as relevant as they were this past playoff run. Um, but when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, you know, what would be your everlasting takeaway from their uh, unbelievable playoff run this current season? Well, they were a Cinderella team this year. It's no question. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of our guys, the way they played, how they played, and the confidence that they play with. This is going to be a special team moving forward, I guarantee you. Um, and, and it's what I see and what we see in our young players and what Trey Young has done has been nothing short of remarkable, along with uh, all these other teammates. And so... This is going to be a special team moving forward. And talking about moving forward, there are a few pieces, you know, you may have uh, next year. You might not have, you know, most notable John Collins. Do you believe he will return uh, to the Atlanta Hawks? Well, we all hope, uh, it, it, you know, he remains. You know, we have a, a special core group of guys and, you know, our um, basketball ops team would do the best that they can to ensure that we have the best pieces in place. So um, I'm looking forward to what we can accomplish moving forward. So I'm looking forward to next season. A two-part question for you, Dominique. We saw what Trey Young was able to do, especially in the playoffs, right? Dominate, assist, orchestrate the offense, put points on the scoreboard. But is there another level to his game that he hasn't really tapped into yet? And the second part of that two-part question, 
why it seems like people are over they're overlooking Trey Young I mean didn't make the all-star game when you look at some of the players that are starting to opt out of the Olympics they still didn't give him an opportunity uh, to showcase his ability on a global stage it seems like people they're still sleeping on Trey Young for whatever reason why do you think that that's the case first of all it's first part of the question he hasn't even reached this ceiling yet whoa this kid, whoa, whoa, whoa. This kid say, is remarkable and say I'm that again you say he hasn't reached his ceiling no no he hasn't he hasn't reached his ceiling yet this kid is a special special player i see him every day you know so i i mm-hmm. see things that a lot of people don't see we see things a lot of people don't see so I, it's just amazed me um you know how hard this guy has played what he's done first of all he got overlooked on the all-star team and I know how I know about getting snubbed. You know, yeah. he's been snubbed a couple times. And, and I think it's a lot of times unfair. But you know what I love about him? He doesn't let that slow him down or affect him. He keeps proving them wrong. And that's all you can do when people don't give you your due. No question. I can tell you this much. The Hawks, they have a nice building block in place to be able. You talked about the future and how bright it is. Yes, you better get your shades because it will be a bright future on the yes, hardwood when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, especially with ice tray lighting yes, that sir. thing up. Now it's time to give you your flowers, Dominique. I believe in giving the great ones their flowers. And I wanted to make sure I had an opportunity to talk to you, not just highlight basketball, but highlight you. The human highlight film, the human highlight reel is what they call you. Let's go back in time. The first time you don't. Oh, the first time you really, really dunk was when? I was 13. You're 13. Okay. Was it a one hand? Was it a one hand dunk, two hand dunk? Do you remember? It was a one hand dunk. I was, I I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all began for me. Yeah. You know, we playing on those tough playgrounds in that neighborhood. Man, you know, you had to show that you had some toughness and, you know, you had to have some game or you never got picked. Mm. You know, so I was fortunate to be blessed with, you know, you know, the ability to elevate off the floor. And that's just a God-given talent. And so and the guys in the neighborhood exploited that because I used to have to play against the older guys for money, you know. So no doubt. So <laughs> it was a fun time. It was a smooth, fun time. Smooth hustle. One thing I can say about you and your dunking career, growing up for me in the 80s, being a young lad in the 80s, watching basketball, watching the Showtime Lakers, watching the Celtics, watching you. I love your dunking style because you were a power dunker. You weren't a finesse dunker. It seemed right. like you were, it was a personal issue with the rim anytime you got to the rim. And I love that the physical nature in which you attack, attack the rim with anybody who was standing in front of you. And I also love, because most guys could, you know, be a, only a one-foot dunker. You were a two-foot dunker, but you can go off one foot as well. You know what I mean? Right. And just the, the just the velocity in which you dunk the ball with was something that caught my attention. And you talk about, you know, the great ones in, in that I mentioned, the teams that I mentioned. Uh, what type of inspiration did you take from someone like Julius Dr. J. Irvin? Uh, was that the guy or for you when you look at who you modeled your game after when you look at the well, body style and how he played the game? Well, he was my idol. Mm. You know, I idolized Julius. And, and what kid didn't idolize him around that time? Kids my age group. During those years, he was the king. And I still say all the time, you know, Julius, the grandfather of, of us all, everything we do flows out of Julius serving. And so we, we looked forward to playing against Julius. I played the game at one speed, and that was all out. I was a very emotional player, and not so much uh, as verbally, mm-hmm. but just my energy. And so I displayed that on the court. So, you know, I, my, my thing was to attack you all the time, try to keep you off balance. And that's the way I create advantage for myself. 
Because if I get one or two fouls on you early in the game, now that advantage totally shifts in my in my direction. And so that was my mentality. And that was a lot of great players' mentality. Yeah. I mean, you played in an era, man, basketball was serious. It was Ooh. no friends. It was man. no friends back then wow. when you guys yeah. played. It was personal. I don't know what the relationships were off the court. But when you guys were playing for four quarters, it was personal. I didn't like you. You didn't like me. We all knew it. The fans didn't like each Listen, other. man, we, we all we all respected each other, but we didn't. So very few guys had a relationship off the floor, but it wasn't. I mean, we didn't go visit each other. We didn't travel, uh, you know, on, on trips. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, we just, that's that wasn't us, man. We didn't yeah. want people to get that close to us, yeah. you know. Bernard King, Larry Bird, Doctor. I mean, all them guys was like that, man. You know, you know, they respected you and you respected them, but that was it. That was it. No, and if you mentioned before that Larry Bird refused to shake your hand, why is that? The why whole, was that? My whole career against Larry, because you're trying to create an edge. You want to get in somebody's head. Oh, Larry, so that was that was a little tactic by Bird. Yeah, it was a tactic. Okay, mm-hmm. and all of, all of us did it. All of us did. It, you know. Um, but Bird, who man, he was he was notorious for it. But if you talk to all those guys today, all of us are friends mm-hmm. because, you know, we still like to talk about the time that we played and how tough it was. So, we, hey, man, some of us are like brothers, like Home Alone and, and Drexler and myself. We're very close, you know, and we we get giddy when we have to talk about basketball, see each other, because, man, it's a special moment in our lives. And, and the, the competitors you guys were, man, I, I can imagine, man, just the on the court presence uh, that was there and the trash that was being talked. You know, was Bird the, 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 the best trash talker you played against? One of the best to ever do it. <laughs> He's one <laughs> of the best to ever do it. You know, you know, him, guys like him, guys like Chuck Person. It was quite a few guy, guys that. The rifleman, the rifleman, Chuck Person, number 45. Yeah. Michael Jordan. I mean, yeah. you know, guys, you know. Oh man, I man, I wish I could be a fly on the wall, man, in the arena when you guys were going back at it. Man, I knew you I knew it was some heavy trash being talked on that court, man. Uh, but you had the 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 luxury of playing, you know, the majority of your basketball life in the state of Georgia. You went to Georgia. I think the Jazz drafted you. You didn't want to go yep. to Utah. The Hawks traded for you. Uh, what has Georgia meant for you, you know, being in the state since you were 18? Well. Man, Atlanta is everything. The state of Georgia, everything to me. You know, I say all the time to people, I say, I'm not, even though I'm not from Atlanta, I'm from Atlanta, this is my home. And this city, these fans has kind of adopted me and accepted me as their native son here. And so I've never been accepted in my life before like Atlanta has accepted me. I've never been accepted like that before in my life. Because we always moved around as a family and Atlanta has made me a, very special person in, in this community. So, man, I'm never leaving that. No doubt, no doubt. You did a lot for the city. I mean, you know, you jumped in, uh, you jumped off the porch running, you know, in the NBA. In year four, you really took the league by storm. I think you averaged around 30 points per ball, per ball game. You led the league in scoring. Uh, the team was was rolling as well. The Hawks won 50-plus games for, for four straight years. Excuse me. Uh, what started to, to click for you during that fourth year, fourth year mark, where you were just a dominant scoring presence, playmaker, and and collectively being a leader on the team uh, in in, in regards to you guys winning at least 50 games in four straight seasons. Well, well, we got pieces, you know, and we got maturity. We had some chemistry. We started to gain and build momentum. And the things that started to happen 
in that fourth year, you know, with the Kevin Willis's and the Doc Rivers and the Randy Whitman's, the Tree Rollins, mm. and the battle and Spud. So we had pieces that were really solid. And so we started to gain respect in the Eastern Conference that they knew that they're playing against Atlanta. You're going to have to put your hard hat on because we're going to work. And so yes. that's about mentality. And, and the old, well, at that time, the basketball arena was the Omni. The Omni used to be rocking. A lot of people don't remember the Omni. They only remember State Farm. You know what I mean? For you basketball heads out there, right. you guys know what the Omni meant for the Hawks. You know what I mean? So uh, that home court advantage clearly was in your favor. You know, you talk about the success I just mentioned uh, individually and as a team. But back then, the East was loaded. I mean, you ran into some beasts in the second round, uh, led by the 86 Celtics. Uh, some folks believe that's probably one of the best NBA teams ever. The 87 Pistons and the 88 Celtics again. Which one of those groups uh, was the toughest? All of them. <laughs> All of them. I mean, and they brought a different type of toughness. Each one of those teams, the Celtics had five Hall of Famers. Ah, yeah, yeah, five. Think so, about that. Think about that. Think yeah, about that. Five. You had you had Detroit with a few Hall of Famers on that team. You uh -huh. got Philly with three or four Hall of Famers on that team. Then you got New York. I mean, I can go down the line that teams you had no nights off. So it wasn't one team bringing more physicality than the other. All of them was physical. Mm -hmm. You know, Detroit. Detroit. You know, made it more known that that's the way they was going to play. But everybody played physical like that. And and I love it. That that, that drew me to the game you know, uh, of watching basketball because it was personal. It, it, I, I felt like you guys, like you said, the respect was there, but there was no love on the court in between no. the whistles. And, and you guys attacked the game in that way. And that's something that, you know, we're not really seeing in today's game because, of course, things have changed when it comes to rules and regulations and stuff like that. But you guys, huh, it, you had it on your mind and you let it you let it off your mind in between uh, those four quarters on the hardwood court. So I can tell you this much. If you don't if you don't run across those teams, Dominique, I think your career, it goes in a different direction, because like you said, the Celtics, they had five Hall of Famers. Like, well, well, it wasn't one team. No, that's the, that's the thing. The East was loaded. Yeah, Chicago. You know, <laughs> they did. We don't have to even talk about that. And they had the Celtics. You had New York. Mm. You had Philly. You had Cleveland. You had Milwaukee. Yep. Indiana. All yep. them teams were playoff teams. Back, back then, the East is what the West is now in today's NBA. When you talk about the depth of competition, you know what I mean? Back then, in those days, in the late 80s, I mean, the East, the, like you said, you just named six legit teams that could easily well, come out of the East. Yeah, and no question. But, you know, you look at the league as a whole in those days. I mean, East Coast, West Coast, it didn't matter. They were all good. Mm -hmm. Port Portland was a monster, big team. L.A. was a monster. They were a big team. You had Denver was going to run you out of the gym. You know, they were averaging over 120 points a game. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you had a lot of great teams back then, the Rockets, the had the San Antonio Spurs, you know, the yeah. Mavericks. All them guys was good. They would no play question. Off, you know. Competition was, was at an all-time high. I'm going to yeah. throw out a date to you, Dominique. Let me see if you remember this date. May the 22nd, 1988. You remember what I happened on that? I 1988. I don't know. It might have been a slam dunk contest something. I can't remember. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It wasn't a slam dunk contest. This happened in May. That's the day one of the most epic back-and-forth duels in NBA uh, history took yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah. You and Bird, you and Bird. Now I wonder why Bird didn't want to shake your hand because you was a serious threat for him. You dropped 47 points in game Celtics versus the Celtics uh, in the East semifinals. But Boston beat Atlanta by two points. Larry Bird scoring 20 in the fourth quarter despite the loss. How do you remember that game over 33 years later? And was that the greatest game you ever been a part of? I think it was because of this, the situation, the circumstances. You was in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Mm. And to play that way against a juggernaut like the Celtics. And I think the biggest compliment I've ever gotten, I remember Larry Bird said it in the game, we both deserve to win. But unfortunately, one of us got to go home. Yeah. I think that's the biggest compliment in a loss that I've ever got from a great player because they knew what a tussle that series was. And, you know, we blew the chance to end it in six games at home. But, you know, it, it happened. I mean, you're playing against a great team, they find a way to beat you. And Kevin Durant just beat. Uh, that game seven scoring record this past postseason versus the mm-hmm. Bucks when he dropped 48. So your record was standing for a long, long time when you look at some of the prolific game seven uh, performances we've seen in years past. It just uh, was broke uh, this past postseason. And then when you transition to outside of the individual battle between you and Bird, you had another battle between another great one. Man, listen, man, you had a great career. You played against some Man, you played against some living legends. You had you don't to get some living legends. Man, a few months prior, you took a loss in the dunk contest finals against Michael Jordan after beating him in 85. Uh, what did that moment mean for the league? And do you still think you should have won that dunk contest? Well, I'll put it to you like this. No matter who won, the fans got their money's worth. Yeah, they yeah. did. But they did. I won? Yeah. Did Michael think he won? Yeah. I mean, we put up an, an epic battle. Um, but the fact that they're talking about it 30-some years later, it lets you know it's the greatest dunk contest ever. Yeah. And All-Star Weekend at that time was in Chicago at the old Chicago Stadium, right? Not the yeah. United Stadium where they play at now, the old Chicago Stadium. But some people, hey, Dominique, some people feel like, you know, Mike got some home cooking. He got some oxtails, some 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 mac and cheese, some some candy yams, some sweet tea. Well, there was a little bit of home cooking, Chicago. Yeah. You know. <laughs> do you think? Do you because? All right. So what sealed the deal for Mike was the the free throw dunk, where his foot was a half step inside the free throw line, and you came back with a heck of a windmill. And many felt like that windmill deserved a fifty because if you got that fifty, correct correct me if I'm wrong, you would have won. But they gave you a forty five. Yes, they did. <laughs> and, and I think that's what you're saying when you talk about that home cooking. Them oxtails kind of came through in the clutch for MJ because that windmill, man, was powerful. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, you know, sometimes when you're when you're the home court favorite, yeah, you know, it happens, things, you know, so what are you going to do? Hey, hey, but I can tell you, like you said, even, you know, what, 33 years, 34 years ago, we still we're still talking about that, 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 right, that, exactly. uh, that moment. So clearly you guys did what you were supposed to do. What kind right. of trash? Was there any trash being talked between you and him? I know you guys had a, a, a lot of respect for each other, but y'all were not, going not, to battle. Not a single word. Not a single word. Not a single word. We had more respect for each other than that. We didn't we didn't have to. You know, our game spoke for itself. So we, we didn't have to do that. So, Dominique, did you – all the dunks you were able to achieve in that moment, were, were, was that another dunk you had in your back pocket that you didn't do that you probably wish you probably would have tried? Or, or everything that you set up to do in that dunk contest you were able to do? No. I thought, you know, I, if I had a chance to do I'd do the same thing because those winning dunks. Mm, you know, matter of yeah, fact, the works. dunk I did before that was good, but it wasn't my best one. 
out of that round. The last one was my best dunk, and I got a 45. I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. Yeah, that, that windmill, that windmill. For, for you listeners, you young listeners that don't know exactly what we're talking about, go back YouTube. You definitely could see the entire dunk contest. Thank me later. It's a must watch. Dominique MJ put up an unbelievable uh, performance. Now look at the current stage, uh, the current state of the dunk contest. Why do, you, why do you believe superstars are not participating in the event like it used to be when you were participating in the event? Well, guys got so much stuff going on. First of all, All-Star Weekend. I mean, they had a ton of things going on. You know, the dunk contest is another thing they put on their plate. But I think the other flip side of that is that I don't know if they really want to know who the best is. Yeah. Wanted to, we wanted to know who the best was. It was personal. It was personal. Yeah, it, it was personal. This was personal. We talked about that personal uh, vendetta early on when you guys were on the court, you know, playing a for real game. And that per, that right. personal standpoint followed into extracurricular activities. You know, when, when Bird did the three-point contest, you remember he said, he, they said he walked into the warm-up uh, in the locker room and said, you guys might as well you know, just get ready for second. Talking trash. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what you guys did. He basically said, which one of you guys going to take second place tonight? That's basically <laughs> what he said. Hey. And that was it. That was it. That was it. He had a way to get in your head, boy. He was something else. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Nick, question for you. And I, I love to get your take. I never understood why. But, you know, in the 1992 uh, season, offseason, of course, the dream team was assembled and you injured your Achilles that year. But they started to put together that team before that injury happened, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think if you didn't if you don't get injured, you, you, you find your way on that dream team? Oh, I would have been on that team. Yeah, mm. I would have been on that team. OK. Um, it just when I got injured. You know, it is what it is, you know. But, yeah, I definitely would have been on the team if I wouldn't have got injured. I was, I you know, I'm having a hell of a season, hell of mm-hmm. a career. I mean, you know, I talked to Clyde and all those guys who did make, I mean, of course. I mean, I would have been on. What was it like for you being the face of the organization, the Hawks, that is, for such a long time, 12 years, and then eventually getting traded? You know what? That was the most disappointing, gut-wrenching moment of my career because I didn't want to leave Atlanta. And uh, when I got traded, man, you know, it's like something died. Mm-hmm. I didn't have fun at the level I was used to. I still played hard all the time, but it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't was, same. was it a mutual decision or more, you know, no, one-sided? It, it definitely wasn't mutual. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, they, they traded me and then, uh, basically told me it was nothing going on. And I had no idea they was making that trade. Wow. Wow. And you went on to play, you know, for quite a few organizations. You played overseas. You played for the Clippers. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Hawks traded you to the Clippers for Danny Manning in return, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, you went. I don't, I don't, that, that didn't work out too well. Exactly. A lot of people don't even remember Danny Manning playing with the Hawks. You know, and, and nothing, you know, against Danny. I mean, you know, it's a business. I understand that. But you trade a guy who was having a outstanding year as in close 30 points a game we was on top of the eastern conference we was primed to you know challenge for another title i mean for a chance to have a uh go at the title but they made that trade man and it's like they just faded away after that yeah yeah hey but you're right back with the organization so you know i guess if different people were running the organization at that time, you would have never left or you would have left on your own terms. I think that's oh, yeah. the best way to handle it. No, no question. I'll yeah. tell you, we had, we had, they had the, the management and ownership that we have now. 
and knowing that we were a winning team mm-hmm. and a player was playing as, as good as he ever played, I'm thinking they made that trade. <laughs> no doubt, have, no doubt. You know, great ownership we have now. And, uh, you know, they understand value, longevity, especially when you're doing your job. And that's what it comes down. When you're doing your job, you're doing it to the best of your ability. You know, it should be a reward for that. Yeah. But those days, it wasn't like that. That was a head scratcher. And speaking of another head scratcher for me, 25 years ago, the league announced their 50, uh, 50 greatest players for their 50th anniversary. This upcoming season, next year to be exact, the 75th anniversary team will be announced. Do you think the NBA will correct their mistake and have you appear on the list of the 75 greatest players? I hope they will. And I'm listening. Yeah, hey. I hey, hope so. I hope so too. And and hopefully, you know, we're gonna start getting this thing going for you, this momentum, because I felt like you should have been on the 50th uh greatest players, but 75 definitely should have Dominique Wilkins on it because like you said, you were slept on a lot in your career. I don't know if it was because of the market, but I, whatever I, the I, case I, I may tell you, I, nothing ever surprised me. And at the time I was snubbed, um, I was seventh all-time leading scorer in history. Wow. It, you know, so hey, it is what it is. Well, we're going to see. You know what? We're going to go ahead and, and, and speak this thing to existence, man, because I, like I said, we, we got to give our legends their flowers while they're here to smell them and walk around and put water in them. We can't wait. So I'm, that's what we're going to do here, and we're going to get this train rolling for you. We're going to transition to the superlative part of your show and let you go. Uh, I want your honest, unbiased answer, Dominique. I know you handle pressure well. We're going to hit you with a full-court press and see if you can get, get the length of the court. Greatest player you ever played with? The greatest player I ever played with, I think in his prime, is like Dan Roundfield. Mm. What he did he pro- do? He was the prototypical power forward who could score, okay. who could rebound, great defensive player, and taught me a lot about the game. Okay. Best in-game dunker ever. Besides me? Yeah, besides uh, you. <laughs> besides uh, you. Oh, man, there's a lot of guys, man. Ooh, Vince Carter. Yep. one of those guys. Michael Jordan. Um, it, you know, it, it, you can't say just one guy. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. But, you know, you got Michael Jordan at the top of the list, Vince Carter, Dr. J. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. It's a laundry list, right? It's a laundry list. You know, Sean Kemp. I mean, it, it's too many guys. It's too many guys to say one guy is the best in-game duck. Right? I mean, you got to get up. That people never talk about, which is crazy to me, is Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler. Clyde the Glide. When your nickname is the Glide, you know you the real deal, right? Man, let me tell you something. Glide. Glide was, it was truthful, man. Clyde come off that one foot and, and, and get caught sleeping at the rim if you want to. I see him go to the corner of the free throw line against us in Portland. And when he got to the rim, he was sideways. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah, I've seen it all. All right, best uh, best pure scorer ever. Uh, I, I would, you know, I'm gonna go because he got more points than anybody in history league. It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, he, the most, he has the most unguardable shot in NBA history, and that's, that's guy hook. That's guy hook. That's guy hook. No question. If you had a chance to create a super team in the '80s, who is your big three? Man, uh, I would probably at that time. Three guys I would play with is Jordan, mm-hmm. Magic, Kareem, and uh, I mean, it's a toss-up here, but Carl Malone, 
<laughs> man, people, Carl Malone was hell, right? <laughs> man, oh, was, was he? <laughs> yes, yes. Ooh, this is a tough one for you. Biggest star in Atlanta in 1990, Dominique or Deion Sanders? Is that a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. A, who was the biggest star in Atlanta in 1990? Well, I was here longer than all those guys. Yeah. So it was. It was still your, let, when prime time came. It was still was your city. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, I had already established that. You know. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys ever intertwine? You know, when you on your leisure time, you in prime time. Uh, prime was my man. Yeah. He's a dude. He's a great dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Prime was a good dude. Okay. Last question for you. True or false? Trey Young will deliver an NBA championship to Atlanta in the next four to five years. I hope so. That's the that's the goal. That's the goal. And uh, and I think you know, you have a player of his talent and people around him. That your goal is to win that you know elusive title. Yeah. And I think if, if you know all stars align, we get right, keep the right pieces and have the right pieces. Yeah, we will get there. No doubt, no doubt, man. And I appreciate you. Dominique joining me here, all things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden, man, an unbelievable conversation with a living legend. Uh, man, recapping your outstanding career, talking about the current state of the NBA and the Atlanta Hawks. And let's go. The NBA, right. you're on the clock. The 75th team will be released sooner than later. You got to have Dominique on there. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.